Hey, hey, kids, you're listening to a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right, it's the Simpsons Podcast that discusses The Simpsons from seasons 11 and beyond. Why 11 and beyond, you ask? Well, there's plenty of other Simpsons podcasts out there that cover the golden age, 1 through 10. We feel that uh, the later seasons, 11 and beyond, they don't get much love. Well, we're here to love. That's right. We're going to find out if there's some later seasons episodes that are gems out there. But I can't do it alone. I have to have someone with me. I'm half an annoyed grunt boy, Craig, and with me is... Your other half an annoyed grunt boy, Steve. How's it going, Craig? Great. How are you doing this week? I'm on the podcast. Good. Oh, on, on the podcast, I'm fine. In real life, I'm horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <sighs> no, I, I'm I'm good. I just, uh, you know, like the Grateful Dead once said, "Shades of Gray," <laughs> and keep on trucking. And Casey Jones, you better watch your speed, Steve. I only know the one hit. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. You know, probably should have discussed what we we're going to talk about before we yeah. uh, hit record, guys. This is behind the. Behind the scenes here. I'm trying to find something real quick on my computer. Steve, uh, tell a story real quick while I look. My store is downtown, and though I have yet to met him, comedian and actor and Portlandia star Fred Armisen has evidently in the recent weeks become a frequent guest to our store. He's been coming in two or three times a week, always when I'm not working, and he always wears a different colored jumpsuit. And my coworkers and my wife, Laura, who also works there, tells me about it, and yet I don't see him. So either one, he's not real and I'm dreaming it, or his timing is just different. Steve, no one knows who you're talking about. Fred Armisen? You're making this up. Oh my gosh. Am I going crazy? Like a rumba! <laughs> well, Steve, I have some new sound clips here for you. <laughs> oh boy. We got this one here. Bart, are you coming? Uh, we got this one. I love my kids, Rex. And we got this one. Chief Wiggum <laughs> can a man masturbate in his own son's mustache. I think that's about it. All right. <laughs> oh, man, this intro sucks. <laughs> you know, we get all uh, up and up with uh, the political climate these days, and every bad news happens, you know, and just like, uh, I can't take any more of it. You know, it was uh, SNL happened this weekend, and Chris Rock, I think, made a good point of like, hey, just think for like these couple hours, like, it's silence right now <laughs> from a certain yeah. Twitter account. So it's like, just savor these moments and i got me thinking like i savored it and i think i'm done with everything <laughs> either way how this election turns out i feel like my life will probably just go on as it has these past uh 27 years that's all, all i am um <laughs> and you know i i don't know how about you 
I think that you make two interesting points there. One, that to a certain extent, it's good to be informed, but there's a certain extent where you're too informed. And all the doom scrolling and just looking at things over and over again to like get the furthest information that'll make you more upset probably isn't the healthiest thing. So yeah, take a break. Watch an old episode of The Simpsons or read a comic book or just escape a little bit. Secondly, you're right that you and me and a lot of people won't be affected personally by whomever is elected on November 3rd. So I think it's important that we vote, but not for ourselves necessarily, but for the greater good. And so maybe think about that when you go to your polls, not a political podcast. I mean, I'm still voting and I'm voting pretty much down the line of one political party, which again, still is a messed up system on an idea. I like uh, your wife's idea of just let's have cats. (laughs) Yeah. Just there should be just like a person that we don't know. It should be the masked. (laughs) Everyone was the masked singer. Make it the masked political candidate. We're like, this is what I want to install into the government i'm not i'm not saying i'm a republican or democrat or whatever this is just my ideas yeah i'm just gonna vote for the canary and if it turns right. out to be dave coulier so be it <laughs> see if he can't run for president he's a canadian it's true but he is for late-term abortions because he wants to cut it out <laughs> Anyways, you said earlier that uh, maybe we should just go back and watch an old episode of The Simpsons. How about we do that instead? All righty. Let's go all the way back to uh, March 5th, 2017. <laughs> yeah, when times were so great. <laughs> ah, Craig, what was the number one movie in the box office way back when? Uh, it was the uh, prequel to the uh, 70s movie Logan's Run, just aptly titled Logan, I think, right? Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. No, it's X-Man himself, Logan Man. A.K.A. Wolverine, A.K.A. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I love Logan. That's probably from that uh, Fox X-Men franchise. It's probably the best. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I'll assume that you're right. I am right. after all, the greatest showman. That's right. Steve, how about, uh, what were we bopping to? That's what the kids say, by the way, bopping. Yeah, when we're not listening to Charlie Bird Parker. (laughs) Um, The number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 was Shape of You by Ed Sheeran. I'm in love with the shape of you. Steve, yes, I'm not in love with the shape of you. So let you know, you don't like round. <laughs> You're like a Jackson Pollock painting to me. (laughs) That's sweet. (laughs) I guess. There you go. There's that Sharon. People like him. Keep an eye on him. (laughs) So, Craig, today we're talking about Camp Crustier. Is that why Uh, I said hey, hey in the beginning? I think it might be. Oh, cool. In it, Bart and Lisa return home from Camp Crusty early, interrupting Homer and Marge's romantic encounters. Bart and Lisa confront a source of trauma. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) So it's a sequel to Camp Crusty. I'm excited to watch this, Steve. Let's uh, let's do that. That sounds like a plan. We'll do that, and we'll be right back. Last night you were in my... This version of that song is really weird because last night you were in my and then it blanks out 
I, it's and just now clean. my blank smells like you. <laughs> but that sounds so much dirtier. Like last night you're in my ass, and now my farts smell like you. Is that what they're saying? I don't know. It's just uh, it's the clean version. Usually I, I, I fade out. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna fade it back up real quick and then fade out so uh, it sounds like a professional job. <laughs> And we're back. Today we're talking about Camp Crustier, the 16th episode of the 28th season. Although if you're one of those people who consider Great Gatsby to be one episode, it's episode 15. I consider Great Gatsby to be two bad episodes. Uh, our episode originally aired on March 5th, 2017. It is episode 612 in the show's run. Your nerd code is WABF09. It was written by David M. Stern, directed by Rob Oliver, and your showrunner is Al Jean. Two bad episodes, just like two bad neighbors or two bad podcasters like us. Exactly. You referring to a uh, great Fatsby, of course. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It was our uh, Christmas episode last year. It's uh, it's no Scorpions tell. No, we decided that we'd rather watch Scorpions tell over Great Yeah, because at least it's only one episode. Hey, here's a new name to uh, our our podcast Ooh. of uh, writers, David M. Stern. We have not reviewed an episode. Interesting. He wrote. He's written some of uh, some of the classic ones. How about Homer Alone, Steve? Ooh, that's classic. Uh, Selma's Choice. Also classic. Yeah. Viva Ned Flanders. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what else he wrote? Yes, for the Wonder Years. Yeah. And you know why that's interesting? Yes, His I brother. Do is Howard Stern. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> His brother is Daniel Stern, the yeah. sticky bandit himself. The narrator of The Wonder Years. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, he's a writer. And uh, did you know he was a production assistant on Mystic Pizza? Ooh. It's one of his first gigs, Steve. I that movie's so... disappointing. Because <laughs> there's no mystics. <laughs> yeah. Not enough pizza, frankly. Oh, I never saw it, Steve. Me neither. All right. Well, glad to have you on the show, uh, Mr. Uh, David M. Stern. And that's when I knew this podcast became a man. All right, let's get on with this uh, episode. Greg, did you know that the name of this episode, I'm going to hit you with some trivia, is a reference to its prequel, Camp Krusty, all the way back from season four. Yeah, thanks, Steve. We we got that. I always like to get my best trivia out first for you. (sighs) Yeah. All right. Well, we have a title screen with uh, Air Force One flying by with Vladimir Putin riding a Pegasus close behind. Ooh, timely. And our billboard gag is this St. Patrick's Day. Kiss the Barney Stone with Barney Gumbel drinking a green beer whilst wearing a jaunty St. Patrick's Day hat. Remember St. Patrick's Day? Like when you'd go out? Oh, yeah. And you'd drink with other people in public places. Fun times. Fun times. Also, that's like amateur hour, too. Like, there's a few, like, us alcoholics. Uh We know which days to avoid being in public. And St. Patrick's Day is one of them. Uh, New Year's Eve is the other. Yep. Uh, Cinco de Mayo is a close third. And, uh, oh, Thanksgiving Eve. (laughs) That's true. Also, not a great one to go drinking because everyone's drinking. Bars are all packed. Yes, because people want to avoid their families because they're awful. Yeah, just drink in front of your family. It's much better. Because you got to realize you're awful, too. Everybody's awful. (laughs) Okay, well, we have a chalkboard gag, Steve, where Bart's writing on his chalkboard for the first time. Nice change of pace. Yeah. We're the only house where the Christmas tree is still up. Hmm. I remember I, there's like a neighbor that's down the street. I maybe talked about it before, but I think their Christmas tree up one year was because you could see it through the window. Oh, man. I want to say at least till February, maybe wow. March. 
And it was a real tree, Steve. Oh boy, that's no, that's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was a fake, but the but they still the lights would turn on. Weird. I mean, I mean, like January 5th, it should be out. I mean, I just throw it away. Like as soon as the presents are opened on Christmas morning, <laughs> you chuck that tree right into the fireplace. <laughs> I just do it in front of the kids. Yeah, not Which my kids, weird. just some kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny joke today <laughs> where is a uh, someone's like hey pro tip you should wrap a lot of uh, empty boxes up during christmas time and when your kids do something bad just throw one in the fireplace and then oh. someone responded <laughs> with uh yeah but what if i run out of kids <laughs> what the hell uh, <laughs> pretty good reminding like me that. of you yeah <laughs> Let's talk about Simpsons. Alrighty, we do have a couch gag. It's the uh, faces of the Simpsons family on a game of pachinko, with everyone receiving several marbles, except for Homer, who only gets one. He groans with disappointment, and while his mouth is open agape, a marble goes down his throat, choking him. Hmm. You know what Bart would say about that? Like a rumba! Thanks, Bart. So helpful. So our episode proper begins with an old-timey scene card that reads, A short while ago in season four. We see Santa's little helper sniffing a shoe, and then he finds a path of dirty, disrobed clothing, passing a uh, filthy kitchen covered in empty wine bottles, discarded takeout containers, and Maggie in an empty chicken bucket. Yeah, I never thought of this before, but does Santa call his dick his little helper? (laughs) I mean, maybe. It could be his... There's so many options he could call it his, like, little elf. His candy cane, his North Pole. Does he? If he calls it his elf, does he ever take his dick and put it on uh, Mrs. Claw's shoulder and go, "Hey, there's an elf on the shelf." <laughs> an elf on the milf. <sighs> hey, so the uh, path of attire uh, uh, leads to uh, leads the family dog into the backyard where Homer can be heard yelling in the style of Tarzan. This startles the canine, causing him to hit his head on every tree while trying to escape that frightening holler. I thought it was painful to hear him bonk his head on every tree going his way out. Poor guy. Poor little puppy. Anyway, back in the treehouse, we see a post-love-miking Homer and Marge. Let the word go forth. With the kids gone for the summer, we have snuggled in every room in the house. Thank you, Camp Krusty. Um, excuse me. <laughs> um, putting on a little weight there, huh, Chief? Our freezer broke, Lou. Any bacon we buy, we have to eat it all, and right away. Uh, now, Simpson, we received an anonymous call about a gong. Chief Wiggum, can a man enjoy the company of his wife in his own son's treehouse? What, you didn't see the sign? Hmm? Well, that's just some nonsense a kid wrote, Chief. That is what they said about the Declaration of Independence, Lou. Oh, uh, who said that? King shut the hell up. Look, we're married. This is our home and our kids are fine. Some things to call back. Uh, the pounding that you heard was uh, Wiggum walking in the style of a T-Rex from Jurassic Park. And the sign he referenced was a No Girls Allowed sign. And Homer's wearing a fun uh, boomerang thong. A thong made out of Bart's boomerang. And he's not erect because we can clearly see the handle is down that's right i just want everyone on the podcast to know we're looking for homer's erect penis now i wish i was a sound editor Uh, fat shaming there yeah the no girl sign allowed yeah great it's a different time 2017 those were the days those were the days so uh homer holds up a postcard for camp crusty and the camera pans out close and we jump to the cursed campsite which is now burning in chaotic wreckage bart in his iconic face makeup uh is riding a vulture the arrow he's holding somehow starts uh, a fire (laughs) and he hurls it shouting death to tennis camp 
the tennis net, the court, and the players all go up in flames. So, in real life terms, this episode takes place 24 years, 5 months, 1 week, and 3 days after Camp Krusty. Or 8,928 days after Camp Krusty. Wow. Way to count, nerd. Yeah, I mean, I just thought of that off the top of my head. I mean, it's nerdy, but you're pretty smart. I'm kind of impressed. Thanks. We then cut to a parking lot where Homer and Marge, along with several other parents, await the returning children from camp. I can't believe it's been six weeks since we've seen the kids. Oh, I wonder if Bart has a mustache. Your kids are back, except for the Johnsons, who I need to speak to privately. (laughs) I have lemon Lyme disease. The basketball teams were skin versus bones. I'm telling you, it was a real rough camp. I see you're sucking your thumb again. Kirk, you said he'd stopped. Uh... Kirk, we discussed this. It's the only vice I can afford. Oh, my poor, poor babies. Do you know what kids get after a scary experience? Ice Ice cream! No. Counseling. Oh. So I'm going to take it they didn't bring it up, but is this them the kids returning from uh, Tijuana, right? That's what I would assume. They don't ever talk about it, but yeah, I assume that they went to Tijuana and the parents know of the trauma that they experienced. Because they don't bring that back. Because if you remember in the Camp Krusty episode, that's where Krusty takes the kids. Yeah, because it's so bad and he comes in last minute and saves the day. Krusty's saying like, and the Johnson's kid, uh, he didn't return. So I'm thinking the drug cartel in Mexico kidnapped the Johnson's kid. I don't think it was Camp Krusty that... uh, yeah, that seems very plausible. <laughs> so uh, I know this is a sequel to Camp Krusty. Now I want the uh, midquill of Krusty <laughs> and the kids and their adventures in Mexico, even though they kind of showed it in picture form in Camp Krusty. But yeah, it'd be fun to like dive deeper in that. And then the pictures could be like the beginning of each scene. Yeah. I like that. There's a story there. They could almost do an entire season of sequel episodes like this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can uh, discuss that later, Steve. Yeah. Also, in that clip, we heard uh, the young uh, child who looks like Rodney Dangerfield, (laughs) which has me wondering, the other one is Larry Burns, Mr. Burns' son. So, does that mean that Mr. Burns has another son? Or the woman that he knocked up, (laughs) does she have another son? Because somewhere that gene got passed on, and there he is. Or is that Larry Burns' kid? That's what I was going to assume. It's probably I mean, that Larry, would be more, yeah. Even though he didn't live in Springfield. Yeah, but maybe like they, they hitchhiked over to... Or, or maybe it's an illegitimate kid of Larry Burns. Okay, here's what I'm guessing. Right. After that episode ends, it's just a party with uh, Journey's oh. stuff you've been playing. <laughs> yeah. People are uh, drinking. Maybe uh, Larry Burns, you know, he got some from somebody in Springfield. Nine months later, they popped out a child. That child went to Camp Krusty. <laughs> but that doesn't make sense then. How did that child age to bart or lisa's age that's a fair point <laughs> and also that event took place after camp crusty right so i'm just gonna say it's one of larry's uh, illegitimate kids okay fair enough right. bart and lisa attend a counseling session with other children such as nelson Janie, and wendell the therapist offers that there's good news at the end of the pain bow a pot of goals he then asks the children how bad their trauma actually is and bart and lisa are quick to respond Hey, Doc, I'm fine. But other kids of my generation, I love them, but they're total wusses. Well, every night, they showed us the parent trap. I mean, what kind of parents break up twins and never tell them the other exists? Oh, that's Disney magic. (sighs) 
Now, you all need to decompress, so it is essential you do not go right back to school. No school? No school? On second thought, I'm fine. Look, I can sit with my chair turned around just like you. I knew one day there'd be another. Go. Go with God. Bart, are you coming? Ooh, definitely no school for you. Or church. I love her uh, response to the parent trap. Like, that is irresponsible now you think about it. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. I never actually seen the parent trap, the one with uh, Miss Bliss from TV's Good Morning, Morning, Miss Bliss, a.k.a. Saved by the Bell. I feel like I... No, I don't think I've seen it either. Or the uh, Lindsay Lohan version, of course. Right. Did you know actually Lindsay Lohan was a twin? I did not know that. Yeah, and then uh, the twin in the parent trap died from uh, autoerotic asphyxiation, I think. (laughs) Wow. Making that up. Kung Fu, the legend continues. I think there's you CGI, Steve. They use CGI to autoerotic asphyxiate him? (laughs) No, they use CGI Steve. Oh. (laughs) He's like, hey, I'm CGI Steve. (laughs) Glad to help. Let me kill you. (laughs) You masturbate. <laughs> Robot, uh, it's not like yokels. The counselor tells Marge to keep a close watch on Bart. Uh, he's the son. Wow. And as the boy continues his annoying high-pitched blubbery, uh, Marge asks if it's okay to take off his clothes. What? <laughs> Marge asks if it's okay to take him clothes shopping. The therapist likens that to shopping for a suit for Bart's coffin. In walks Principal Skinner, who uh, complains of somebody blocking their, his parked car. After blaming the karate studio, the grief counselor owns up to parking behind Seymour's car. And uh, this is an interesting thing. So we know that uh, Skinner had a Honda, mm-hmm. but a few weeks ago, we saw that he had a Volvo. And now he has a Toyota Corolla? I don't know, three cars. Pretty fancy. All right. Well, this is obviously the Corolla is before his Honda, Steve, because this takes place after Camp Krusty, season four. Fair enough. All right. But that means that he upgraded from a Corolla to a Honda to a Volvo. Sounds like he's moving up in the world. Yeah, oh, definitely. Definitely. A uh, Honda is better than a Corolla? Yeah, it's a tomato, tomato. I mean, nothing's better than an Adam Corolla. Yeah. (laughs) Funny. (laughs) He is not uh, triggered. Or is he triggered? (laughs) I don't know. You know, He doesn't like bracelets and soup. Bart, are you coming? So uh, back at Evergreen Terrace, 742 exactly, uh, Bart is continuing to fake his PTSD by uh, cutting an onion and sniffing it deeply to elicit tears. Next, he uh, sticks his hand in a bowl of ice to make them clammy. And as a final touch, he uh, takes a red Sharpie to his eyes, which bothers me, uh, to make them look bloodshot. Uh, Realizing that he might be taking it too far, Bart removes the Sharpie by using whiteout on his eyes. As the graphic reads, kids, try this at home. Which I thought was fun. That was great. <laughs> I got a little morbid, though. When I saw the ice and the knife, I thought he was going to put his hands in the Jesus. ice and then slit his wrists. Fuck. It's dark. <laughs> I just, I something what... I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, hey, suicide is not funny. No, we're not laughing at that. but No. Or cutting bad. yourself. But that's, I mean, that's what came to my mind when I saw that. I'm like, is Mark going to cut his wrists? <laughs> But that wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. Well, anyways, back in the uh, the bedroom of Homer Marge, Marge is uh, reading a pamphlet entitled Camp Made Me a Killer. Uh, as Homer stretches his arms out and around Marge, looking to get some smoochies in and maybe a little more. Oh. But Marge is reluctant because her children are upset, Steve. Well, yeah. But Homer says that the kids will be fine, as children in summer are natural enemies. Uh, he then suggests a chance uh, to change their sexual role-playing with him being Penn and Marge playing Teller. You're Marge a real agrees. jerk, you know that? 
Marge agrees. And Zen uh, stifled her husband, who explains that Teller doesn't talk. He then pulls some cards out of Marge's hair while <laughs> oh. kissing her. <laughs> we then cut to a uh, Ned pa- deadpan Ned looking out of his blinds, ready to call the police. Which is weird. Just, you know, Ned being so quick to call the cops on Homer and Marge boning up. Oh, I thought he was going to call Sting. So he was calling the police. Oh, yeah. Hey, Andy Sevners. We made that joke last week. That's fine. And we'll keep making those stupid jokes. Yeah. All right. Well, Marge, uh, before Marge and uh, Homer can get to some fucking, Bart comes in crying that he's scared and can't sleep. So Marge is concerned that uh, at age 10, the tears he's shedding may be his last and that he uh, should just sleep with them. And Homer whimpers because he's got a raging heart on. But uh, Bart happily jumps in the bed next to his presumably wet mother. Huh. That's really gross, and I hadn't thought about it. But, like, when kids sleep with their parents, they are potentially ruining a night of sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I never thought about that because I don't think about children that often, but... I'm glad you don't think of children and sex. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of afflictions to have, and I don't have that one, and I'm glad. I'm very proud of you, Steve. Thank you. Um, so the lights go out, and in classic cartoon fashion, we see that Marge and Bart's eyes are floating in darkness. A single eye appears next to Bart. What could it be? Perhaps Homer's penis? No. It's the eye in the pyramid of a dollar bill. Homer was just giving Bart his allowance. That is the joke that they're making, right? Well, his, uh, one-eyed monster, right? Is that what you call a... Yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming so. I know we have a tendency to get filthy, but literally, that's the joke. Yeah, yeah, you're allowed to say it. Okay, penis. At the kitchen table the next morning, Marge is reading yet another pamphlet, and this one's called Post-Camp Stress Disorder. Recognize the Simpsons. Marge, take it away. Loss of appetite? Thousand-yard stare. Not hungry. Where are you looking? A thousand yards away. (gasps) No school for you, young man. I'll set up the couch as a bed. Can I put Homer's pillows under my butt? Of course. You don't need pillows under your butt. Your butt is pillows. Genius. Hey, Bart is a genius in episode two of Bart the Genius. Exactly. And Butts is Pillows. Genius. <laughs> With uh, Marge, uh, a thousand yards staring, Bart's like, I'm looking a thousand yards away. <laughs> great line. Uh, great scene there, Steve. Yeah, I like that one. Bart, ready for the day on the couch, settles in to watch an episode of Itchy and Scratchy. The episode is called Dancing with the Scars, which is a parody of the popular ABC reality show. Uh, we are introduced to the hosts, Tomcat Bergeron and Alley Cat Dealey, which is <laughs> good job, writers. Yeah. As they show the titular cat and mouse performing their cutting edge version of the saber dance or sober dance. No, it's saber dance. Um, this turns out to be Itchy throwing sabers at Scratchy and the cartoon cat moving his torso to avoid being hit with a blade. Itchy then throws a buffalo saber, (laughs) uh, skates first at his rival, which I thought was very funny. Yes, very funny indeed. Steve, I have a pitch if a uh, if any of the Scarsgar uh, actors ever host SNL, they should do a dancing with the Scarsgar. (laughs) Scarsgar. It wasn't that funny, Steve. <laughs> I just imagine like Thirty Rock pitching that. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, I mean, there's like well, there's like eight scars guards, right? The whole right. family just acts. Yeah. I love a hockey reference, Steve. Me too. Back in the cartoon reality, Bart asks his mother for a jelly bean sandwich. So is that just bread with jelly beans? I assume so. Like, could you put like uh, you know uh, marshmallow spread on it, or maybe jam? Just to, just to hold the beans, you know? Yeah, maybe. Or maybe just have, like, the jelly bellies that are different flavors. So you have, like, a ham, a pickle, and a mayonnaise jelly bean. 
Okay, well, let me uh, get to making that real quick. Uh, so Marge offers a fruit salad instead, but uh, Bart points out that they serve fruit salad at Camp Krusty, which triggers his trauma. So Marge reluctantly agrees to serve the jelly bean sandwich, and Bart returns to his show, which has uh, the several mice dancing under Scratchy's head that has turned into a disco ball. Ooh, so uh, okay. here's a podcast, we like to make the food. So here's the jelly bean sandwich, Steve. Here you go. Ah. Yes, and those are the Harry Potter Ugh. jelly bellies that I put in the sandwich. Sorry. Tastes like farts. And discrimination. <laughs> ah, this, these jelly beans have a clearly defined gender. Seems unnecessary. Seems like if they would have just shut up, they would have been fine. These jelly beans. Hmm. Uh, so we then return to the bedroom of Marge and Homer Simpson. We're awake while Bart sleeps between them. Homer suggests that they fuck each other on the dog bed, but Marge can't. As Bart is sleeping on her arm, Homer then suggests a foot rub and the signing of a permission slip, both of which he throws with his feet. Homer grows frustrated and only think of one thing to do. Masturbate. Is that the answer? I would say yes, but I think Homer might have another idea. (laughs) Can't sleep, can't snuggle. Gonna do the unthinkable. Homer, what do you mean? Gonna go to work early. (laughs) Jeez, there's a lot of spaces when you get in early. Jeez, there's a lot of donuts when you get in early. Hot coffee? Whoever heard of such a thing? But who's the person putting the donuts in the coffee, Steve, if he's the first one there? Mystery. That's a good question. (laughs) We'll never know. Boy, I sure hope somebody got fired for that blunder. We have a sound clip for that, Steve. You're a real jerk, you know that? Sorry. Homer then takes to cleaning his workspace, uh, throwing out chewed gum, old pizza boxes, and a ping pong paddle. He then uh, finds his nuclear reactor safety manual still in its original shrink wrap. Homer intended to read it when he started at the power plant, but didn't want to be deemed a nerd. We then journey inside Homer's brain, which has a sign reading Homer's brain, 1,377 days without a clue. Below the sign, there's a large antiquated machine that is uh, out of order. The small versions of Homer sleeping in a rocking chair next to the giant contraption. Notice the animation on the uh, smaller Homers. They look like him, but I feel like the head is like, like maybe like an inch smaller, like the cranium. You're right. The proportion is off. I think his body is a little more squat, too. Yeah. This is more of a truncated version of Homer Man. Exactly. In his brain. So as Homer takes off the plastic off the manual, an alarm goes off inside of his head. The tiny version of him leaps into action, turning on the coal-powered brain machine. Smoke emanates from real-life Homer's ears as he dons his reading glasses, which I always love, to study his book. Don't you think Homer's brain should have been powered by nuclear power? One would think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we get uh, Lenny and Carl arriving to see Homer boning up on some nuclear reactors. What's he doing? He's reading. Nerd. Hey, Homer, settle a bet. Red beans and rice or red beans on rice? Winner gets 3,000 bucks. Sorry, guys. Maybe another time. Homer Simpson don't want to screw around. That's like Aquaman moving the Phoenix. You know, Lenny, seeing Homer acting responsible. Oh, Aquaman the Phoenix. I just got that. Yeah, it makes me want to buckle down and do my job. You know, vice president of marketing. Hey, if you need me, I'll be cold calling people to see what they think of electricity. Ah, uh, Lenny and Carl there. That was great. <laughs> I really like that clip a lot. It's obviously red beans and rice. So give me $3,000, Craig. Uh, <laughs> right. What's your Venmo? It is at Steve Lutz, but also just Carl uh, cold calling people to see what they think about electricity. <laughs> it's very funny to me. 
Yeah. So uh, meanwhile, in Homer's brain, several more of Homer's appear and all are working hard on the thinking machine. While one Homer plays the violin and nearby reads uh, go getting, but then it's changed to bootlicking and then it's to butt kiss. And then an image of Homer placing his lips on the ass of someone and some denim is shown. Very nice. Maybe uh, it's the uh, babysitter that he took the uh, gummy to mile <laughs> off of. Mm, sweet can. So uh, Homer's butt kissing goes into action as he enters Mr. Burns's office and speaks with Smithers. Uh, Mr. Smithers, I, uh, I noticed the plant's free subscription to Nuclear Safety Magazine was hitting the six-month mark. They're going to start charging us the full newsstand price. And no one pays those prices. Nice catch, Simpson. <laughs> so I had the idea to cancel it and sign up for another free trial under a new email. Wow. Wow. Simpson, something is very different about you. I am sexually frustrated. Tell me about it. Why would uh, he be sex? Well, he would be sex because uh, we see the picture of uh, Mr. Burns behind him. Mm. And as we all know, Smithers is a uh, Burns sexual. And he wants to, uh, you know, get down with that old man. Like a rumba. Once again, Bart is in bed with mommy and daddy. And this time, though, he's talking in his sleep, repeating, Camp Krusty, Cramp Krusty. And Marge awakes and tries to get Homer's attention, but he's having his own nightmares and chanting, No ketchup, no ketchup. It's the uh, hamburger dream again. Oh, no. We then cut to uh, Bart's <laughs> psyche. Sounds like Steve. No, no, ketchup. no ketchup, no ketchup. Ketchup's fine. It's just overused and... It's mostly Heinz ketchup that they have a problem with. Ooh, la not, da. I, I like a different, like a, I like a red duck. Red duck makes a good ketchup. You're a huntsman, aren't you? I'm not a huntsman. <laughs> Are you a Portland ketchuper? I am a Portland ketchuper. It's got a little tang. I like it. The uh, ketchup I use is G Hughes sugar-free ketchup. That's what Ooh, I use. Sounds nice. He he has a, a brand of, it started off with like sugar-free products, like uh, mostly barbecue sauces, but he's a, uh, He's now gone, done, everything. Whoa. Yeah. He's gone, done, done, into everything. <laughs> there's marinades and ketchups and all that stuff. So I, that's my endorsement is J. Hughes sugar-free ketchup. Get yours today at Target for three forty nine. That's a reasonable price. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we then cut to Bart's psyche, where he's remembering his time at Camp Krusty. He's paddling a canoe, and in front of him is Lisa, who has a kick-me sign on her back. The rapids get rough, and as the canoe is jostled, we see a third person in the watercraft. So Bart awakens with a scream. He realizes that he actually is traumatized. In the background, we see Homer chugging some bottles of a bottle of ketchup. But uh, Bart needs help, so he pushes his father off the bed, steps on his face, and heads to his sister's bedroom. Oh, please, please! Mm, can it wait till morning? Sure. Please, please! Thanks for waiting till morning. No problemo. I had an actual nightmare about Camp Krusty. There was a body in a red life vest. <gasps> what else do you remember? We were canoeing. We were in a storm. <gasps> it's coming back to me, too. Whatever happened must have been so horrible. We repressed the memory. <gasps> but don't tell, because they'll make me miss school. Maybe you should miss school. I have perfect attendance. You can't get that back. Okay, I'll bring your carriage around. Uh-oh, looks like snow. Very funny, Bart. Stop it! Well, so Bart's into some Foley sounds there. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. 
<laughs> and also that uh, Clay was like, when Lisa's like, can't this wait till tomorrow morning? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> he just comes back and just the voice of Lisa's voice of like, oh, thanks for uh, listening. Yeah, no problem. I thought that was sweet. Really cute line there. Yeah. Do you remember like in like probably like fifth or sixth grade when every boy felt the need to do the armpit fart? I still can't do that, Steve. I don't know how. You just got to cup your hand a little bit. Like some people can do it without even putting their arm in their armpit. They can just do it with their hand. But yeah, it's just weird. Well, I'll do it the real way by using my own gas. Very nice. Uh, Marge sleepily makes her way to the kitchen table where she finds that Homer has made her breakfast. He's also made reservations for Mother's Day because you can't book too early. Homer kisses his father on the cheek or the forehead and heads to work. At the power plant, uh, Homer is the ideal employee, Steve. He's working hard and the brain homers construct a tower of ideas and Homer sorts out pieces of plutonium on a conveyor belt. And he has style Lucy at the chocolate factory eating a couple of the pieces. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Homer then visits uh, Mr. Burns, informing him that no one uses the suggestion box anymore and that he's taken the liberty of making his own suggestions, such as... Making atheists work on Christmas. Install slot machines at the workstations. Renting out the core for weddings. This impresses Mr. Burns, who uh, gives Homer a raise. More money? Why, that's more than he's making now. Uh, Homer has done so well that Mr. Burns gives him his very own trapdoor button, which Homer presses and then falls through the hole that he's just created. Yay. Yay. And that's the episode. Dun, 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 dun. Homer dead. Oh, yeah, but not really. So uh, we then head to uh, Half a Dozen Flags Amusement Park, where uh, the kids are in line for Minions mocking Grunion's ride, all washed up. Uh, Lisa is uh, patiently waiting when Barge is cutting through the sea of children with his front of the line therapy pass. I've never been to a Six Flags, which they're parroting. Have you ever been to a Six Flags? Uh, no, we live in the Pacific Northwest. That's true. <laughs> the only thing I know about them is their rides are named after DC characters. Is that all of them or just like one or two? have? Maybe the, just one or two. I just know there's like a Batman roller coaster. Yeah, like a Green Lantern and a Flash. Or there's just a guy that flashes kids out of there. <laughs> That's a scary ride. Uh, Lisa complains that she was at County Krusty, Camp Krusty 2 and that she isn't freaking out. That is, until she sees a grunting walk by in a red life vest. This causes her to curl up in a ball and say, red vest, red vest. What does it mean? A park employee gives her a pass and she is to the head of the line. Bart's angry because if everyone has a cut the line pass, then no one has a cut the line pass. Lisa is quick to hop back onto the ride. Did you ever see the movie Don't Look Now? You know what? I didn't. So well, don't uh, spoil it for me. I'm going to spoil it for you. So Fine. there's many plot references to that film. Like in the opening of the film, a young girl dies of drowning hmm. and she's associated with uh, a red jacket and her father is haunted by sightings of what appears to be a young girl wearing the same red jacket. And he finally confronts this figure uh, in the finale. And it turns out it's to be a dwarf woman uh, who cuts uh, who cuts his throat and kills him. Wow. Yeah, I've never seen the movie either. I don't know why I'm bringing this up. Strange, but I'm I'm intrigued. How do I know this knowledge? Just like came to you in a dream. Weird. Oh no. What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> Can we just go back to home, Steve? Alrighty. Well, back at home, Marge, dressed in sexy lingerie, pushes Homer into the shitter. She tells her husband that Maggie is asleep and that the kids are at the amusement park with grandpa they're alone and she wants to bone i like how we use uh, adult language we call it the shitter <laughs> all right well fine they're in the commode <laughs> i call it the waste extraction room the poo poo room <laughs> so homer stops her and he has pledged his abstinence just like all successful rock stars 
Come on, mister. I'm too tired to get my groove back. It's all on you. No means no. I looked it up in the dictionary. No. No. You've never said no. Honey, I'm really sorry, but I'm here for you every way, except physically, also spiritually, and emotionally. And I've never been good at zipping up dresses. What are you saying? Men have accomplished unbelievable things when they've denied themselves whoopee. The pointy pyramids of Egypt, the Duomo, which I now know is a thing. You don't name a company Microsoft when you're getting some. Oh, boy. First the kids are screwed up, and now our marriage is... We need therapy. I said therapy, not theremin. Honest mistake. Or was it? Quick question, Steve. Sure. Do you feel the uh, Marge is uh, almost, uh, I don't know what, I don't want to say it. I, I think I see what you're implying. Her hair is really tall. It is really tall. I just now noticed that. Yeah. She no, I... Homer with the tall <laughs> bit of hair. <laughs> Uh, no, the, uh, it was kind of scary in a way. Like Homer was kind of like, uh, what's going on here? Yeah. It was a little weird, but I mean, she stopped herself. So yeah, but they're also married. Yeah. I, I don't know where the, the line, this is too serious of talk for this podcast. We shouldn't bring this up, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was a little weird. Yeah. So we then go to the Masters and Johnson Institute where if they weren't doctors, they'd be arrested. And I just <laughs> want to stop right here. And that's funny. Oh, good. Bye. Bye. So there's the Johnson kid, and then they're at the Johnston Institute. And I remember in my improv days, for some reason, when you're trying to think of names, like fake names, you always do J names. And Johnson is always the most like common one. So like if you're doing a uh, scene about like uh, in an office, you always say, give me the Johnson files. Right. To the point where uh, instructors would tell us not to use J names ever. And the fact that they use Johnson twice in this episode seems a little clunky. Because the Masters of Sex TV show, which the spoilers, the characters are coming up. What was the... I never watched the show, but what was the... Uh... Isn't it... Uh, maybe it's that. I don't know. Could be. Uh, William Masters and Virginia Johnson. So oh. Masters and Johnson. Fair enough. I stand corrected. You fucking idiot. I'm an idiot. All right. So in the, uh, the therapist's office, the doctor's played by the stars of Master of Sex, which is Michael Sheen and Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, and they tell Homer that there's no need to take off his pants yet. And he explains that it was just a, he had a big lunch. The good doctors, not that one, continue. Now, let me be blunt. Are you happy with your romantic life? My problem used to be too much satisfaction. We hear that a lot. But I'm afraid not so much lately. Do you self-gratify? Yes, I do. Everything but masturbate. You know, this all started with our poor kids traumatized by a budget summer camp. So many perfect marriages ruined by kids. We tell them it's not their fault when, of course, it's always their fault. What you must do is return your children to this camp and face down their demons. Wait, 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 wait. There's so much more you can do when you don't think about sex. That's why nuns are so successful. You have to take the kids back to that camp. Well, it beats hanging out with them. Now, if you'll excuse us, we have some deviants coming in. Hello? Anybody here? Yeah, I brought my lady. She used to be the helicopter ride in front of the supermarket. Whoa, I uh, just finished. All right, deviant out. Mo just fucked a machine, right? Right yeah. in the lobby. 
Right. All right. He is a deviant indeed. It was, and it was a very complex machine for just fucking. Yeah, it had bells and whistles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we have the stars, uh, Michael Sheen and Lizzie Kaplan from the TV show Master Sex, and they're essentially just playing the same characters that they did on a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never watched the TV show, so I'm just pulling that out of my ass probably. Yeah. Um, people who watched it seem to like it. I don't know. I know there's some nudity and there's some Frank talk about sex. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In fact, uh, we have Frank here. Frank, talk about sex. When the man was... <laughs> said Frank, not Bill. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, when the uh, man puts the penis in the vagina, it's sex. But okay. also, if uh, other genders put sex in the sex, that's oh, also yeah. sex. Sex is uh, a word. Yeah, and it's, it's loosely defined, and it's on your own terms, so don't be restricted by societal norms. As long <laughs> hey, as there's... Uh, Consent, it's all good. The only societal norm I wanted to hear is Norm Peterson from Cheers. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and that, that show's not on anymore, right? That, that's gone. No, I think they did 46 episodes and then they were done. Cool. Um, Remember when Michael Sheen and Sarah Silverman were together? Oh, yeah, and then they just kind of broke up because he went back to England. Yeah. Hmm. I think I really watched him in uh, that one show that I like. Brody Rock? Oh, yeah, he was good on that. <laughs> yeah, he played Wesley Snipes. <laughs> <laughs> no, the other one I liked is the one uh, with uh, Doctor Who. Oh, West Wing. <laughs> Doctor Who was on West Wing? No, Michael Sheen was. Uh, no. Sorry, well, Two and a Half Men. There you go, Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor Who. No, uh, 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 Good Omens on NBC's Amazon Prime. That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. And Lizzie Kaplan. I, I like Lizzie Kaplan because I love Party Down and she was, of course, great in Mean Girls. Uh, yeah, yeah. What are you doing now? She's great. How's she doing in the COVID? I hope she's all right. Does she have social media, Steve, that we can reach out and find out how she's doing? Let's see. If oh, that's can... right. She was in the, I didn't watch season two of Castle Rock, but she played Annie Wilkes in oh. a season two of Castle Rock, which, of course, Annie Wilkes is the misery character from the movie and book Misery from Stephen King, oh, which wow. originally played by uh, Kathy Bates. So, yeah, so it's like a young, she plays a young Annie Wilkes or maybe Interesting. age appropriate. She was in Das Boot. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, not the original movie, but there's, yeah, there's a 2018 s- series. Oh, man, your, your dad was alive right now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but there's women in this Das Boot. Was there women in the first Das Boot? I don't think so. I, I was going to say, I don't believe there were. Yeah, she's still working. Yeah, she's doing fine for herself. Why am I so concerned for Lizzie Kaplan? I think she's okay. I mean, she's... Oh, yeah, True Blood. That was like one of the big series she was on, wasn't she? Yeah, that was an important show. Cloverfield. The sequel to Now You See Me. (sighs) Now You See Me 2. She was on Freaks and Geeks. That was her first role, Steve. Yeah. She was on two episodes of Smallville. Whoa. Okay. Well, welcome back to the Lizzie Kaplan cast. Capcast. This is the last episode of the Lizzie Kaplan Capcast. So, uh, bye. We are still undeclared. <laughs> she on that too? Yep. Until she found her true calling. Okay. Because they're related and love is a drug and she has class. So Homer and Marge take the kids to Camp Krusty along the way. Uh, Marge is thinking about how her kids are a mess. Her husband is the man she's always wanted, which she now doesn't want. And for some reason, they're going back to Camp Krusty. That's right. They see a sign uh, for the site of the children's trauma and are pleased to see that the camp is only five smiles away. But as they get closer to the sign, they see that the S in smiles is actually a hissing rattlesnake. That's great. Uh, the family arrives at the campsite as the music reminiscent of The Doors the End plays, which is just, uh, a reference to the movie uh, Apocalypse Now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they find that the summer camp has been turned into a club, Krusty, an adult retreat. Uh, people are wearing terry cloth bathrobes like ancient Romans, or as Dedrick Tatum corrects Marge, more like Macedonians. He then takes his leashed deer and pig to mate and fight to the death. Our final act begins with Kirk Van Houten explaining how the park has changed. Oh, I want to fuck you guys. <laughs> For a split second, I thought you had played the clip. Your O was very good. You know, uh, Krusty cut his losses by partnering with Caligula's World Family Entertainment. They redid the whole place as an adult spa. Uh-oh, did I leave my sash on? Why don't you kids go in here and we'll find someone who can prove to you that what you think happened didn't happen. So what do we do now? Get naked? <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, unless you want to. In which case, I've never been more serious. So, um, uh, which is it? Don't want to. Oh, good thing I was joking. <laughs> so, uh, Kirk wants a threesome with Homer and Marge. I could believe that. Wait, this is, uh, season 28. Is it established that Kurt and uh, Luann are back together? I don't know where. Because I believe that they got back together and then did they break up again or? Not to my knowledge. Okay. Well, maybe they just have an open thing. I bet that was one of the... Um, the stipulations, you think? The stipulations, like, let's have an open relationship. Because yeah. she's still probably banging that American gladiator. Right. Oh, Kurt's totally a cuck, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he probably just want. You know what? He probably just wants to watch Marge and Homer do it. And he just wants to sit there and cry. And yeah. And the, the tears drop on his dick and he uses that uh, tears as lubrication to stroke that pathetic cock of his <laughs> very specific but <laughs> you might be right craig you might be right oh sorry i was just thinking what happened this weekend um <laughs> thanks for coming over by the way <laughs> thanks for dressing up as homer <laughs> dough uh so <laughs> bart and lisa are trapped in the crusty kids club uh while the caretakers play a rollicking game of who stole the cookie from the cookie jar as courtney is blamed for kicking a cookie from the cookie jar chief flickham arrives to arrest both courtney and tyler because that's what cops do although courtney and tyler are very white so it doesn't quite seem believable <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite jokes by the way um so lisa is eager to break out but bart is busy working on a pot holder that reads get baked classic and uh, lisa tears apart bart's craft as they hop out the window what a dumb man I mean, what a meanie. I know, he was doing something productive, and it's nice. It's a fun joke. Yeah, stupid Lisa, garbage face. <sighs> Meanwhile, Homer and Marge are walking through the adult-themed resort, passing such businesses as... Mr. Teeny's Martinis, with the ape as the bartender. Sideshow Smells, Aromatherapy, with Mel at the computer. And the Ha Ha Spa, which features good old Gil doing a stand-up set as the audience is getting a rub down. <laughs> I thought that was that one's my favorite, I think. Just the idea of first of all, Gil doing stand up is probably pretty bad. And it's just weird to, you know, hear stand up while getting Get massage. Maybe your uh, improv would have lasted longer if you were giving out free massages, Steve. Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. Next time. Yeah. Actually the do massage parlors still exist in the age of COVID? I mean I've never been to one and don't plan on it. No, I have a customer that is a masseuse or masseur, whatever's the appropriate one. And they've been having trouble finding business because nobody wants them to touch them. Fascinating. So they're going to focus on their band. <laughs> they don't make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Homer tells Marge that places like those would tempt him before. 
but now he just wants to know where the business center is. And Craig's girlfriend, Lindsay Nagel, appears and points to the location of the business center. She then states that you can print out all the printing boarding passes you want. And then Homer looks at Marge, and through his eyes, she has turned into a desk jet printer. So Bart and Lisa are exploring the park and to find the source of their trauma, and they come upon a shed. Inside, they see canoes on the ground and a number of red life vests hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> what does it mean? But much like a video game achievement, it unlocks a memory for Bart. I'm remembering now. We were trying to escape by canoe. Come back! Everyone needs to watch the musical. We've rehearsed for three hours. But there was another kid with us. You're right. His name was Charlie. I forgot because I was high on poster paint fumes. Quiet. We tipped over in the rapids. Oh, my God. Charlie didn't come back up. Hey, hey, look who's back, Camp Krusty alumni. We have reason to believe that someone was killed in this camp. Whoa, what happened to hello? Hello, the Krusty land at the end. <laughs> and, you know, because they're doing, uh, they kind of have the uh, Apocalypse Now type parody. Mm-hmm. Playing the doors, and the kid's name is Charlie. Is that a reference to uh, the Could be. Viet Cong, as we <laughs> Americans would call them? I hadn't thought about it, but I think you might be right. Yeah. Huh. Well, uh, meanwhile, Homer is trying to read a book, but is distracted by waves gently lapping on the shore. That and horny Marge trying to seduce him. So she takes off his glasses. Oh, we love those glasses. Mm-hmm. And begins to kiss him. And Homer asks if she really wants to do this. Marge declares that she wants the old Homer back. This causes Homer's uh, brain men to open up a hole down to his penis so he can have sex. The uh, brain violin player initially performs a sad song, and as the uh, productivity machine is shutting down, another representative to Homer's brain slaps the musician, causing him to play a more mood-inducing song, Boldly Arrow. Then, ultimately, the uh, classic cavalry charge. Then, Homer and Marge fuck. Back with Bart and Lisa, who are not fucking, Good. Krusty has led them to Club Krusty security offices where they can report a traumatic incident. The clown smiles and security guard, which is the uh, gay. is a security guard and his teeth display a message that reads, do nothing. Uh, Lisa laments at the loss of poor Charlie and the uh, sarcastic security guard leads the children through a door where they see uh, Charlie stepping on Dr. Hibbert's back. Charlie, you're alive! Mm -hmm. And a man, I might add. A very short man. They'd like to be called little people. Eh, not that much. I was working undercover as a spy for Departures magazine. They are everywhere. Anyway, when the canoe flipped, I made my getaway. But you didn't have your life vest. I'm a grown-up. I can swim and vote. (laughs) Oh my god, it's a miracle. Well, I guess I really was traumatized. And now I'm glad everything's all right. I liked that he's a grown man. You can swim. I can swim and I can vote. And it shows him voting with the uh, chads. <laughs> yeah. Hanging chads, Steve. That's the worst her voting could ever get in this country. <laughs> Can't imagine anything worse. Well, Steve, Bart says everything's all right. There's a text that appears on the screen and says it will be until Camp Crestius, season 52. Can't Steve, wait. do you think we are going to be around for season 52? I hope so, or not. <laughs> I mean, logistically, we won't be, because uh, Civil War II merged with World War III will probably end our lives. Right, because there's no way we're living through the next four years. Nope. 
And um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, we cut to Marge and Homer post coitus. And Marge wonders how many worlds exist in the stars. And Homer just wants pizza, pizza and Marge. And that's the Homer Marge knows and loves. Ah, that's sweet. The screen pans out to see two swimmers heading towards comic book guy who explains that he is not a diving platform. And we cut to Homer's brain, which is now decommissioned, and he's absently minded, absentmindedly watching Fox. We then cut to credits, and as Kevin Michael Richardson sings a parody of Barry White's Can't Get Enough of Your Love, we see various antics from Homer's brain workers. And that's our episode. So I think it goes from, like, it's Kevin Michael Richardson, and then it does go into the actual... Yeah, he does a little parody about yeah. not getting your love. Oh, that was great. All right, well, uh, Steve, I need to take a break. And uh, the reason I need to take is uh, a break is to uh, do this. Masturbate. Thanks, Homer. Let's all do that. Do what? We'll be right back. We're not going to get it all. When I say never, I mean forever. At my insistence, I will keep you at a distance. Because, my darling, you have had enough of my love, baby. Mm, baby, don't get upset. But your needs will not be met. Like the more you want, the less I give. Baby, that's no lie. Oh, yeah. And we're back, Steve. Let's wrap up this week's episode with some of our favorite quotes and visual gags and a review of uh, this episode from us and some others, maybe. Okay. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> All right, Steve, what do we got for uh, visual gags? What would you want to see tattooed on your naked body or mm. adorn on a, a T-shirt or a pillow or a baseball cap or a, a fanny pack? I think I'm going to keep it simple, stupid. Are you going to kiss me? Maybe. <laughs> That's not related to anything else. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go with, uh, just because it, it was delightful, and I think it'll make a fun uh, jersey. It's just going to be a, a Buffalo Sabres shirt with... Um, the image of Itchy throwing the hockey player. That's it. It's just gonna, it's gonna say Buffalo Sabres and it's just gonna show Itchy throwing a hockey player. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm I almost want a um club crusty like shirt or maybe like a uh like you could actually have it like um I tried to get laid at Club Krusty and all I got was his lousy <laughs> shirt or something like that. Ooh, that's fun. I like I'm that really a lot. An employee's only shirt. You're like, employee of Club Krusty. <laughs> or like one of those like uh, Heather Gray sweatshirts that are like college shirts, but it would be like yeah. uh, Club Krusty. And like a uh, depiction of like uh, hedonism or something. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Something tasteful, though, of course, right? You know, Of course. <laughs> I thought that'd be fun. I like that a lot. What do we got for uh, uh, scenes or quotes? Um, I really enjoyed the Lenny and Carl scene. With Aquaman? Yeah. Um, I just like that joke because it's not that funny of a joke, but it's kind of funny. And just the conversational way in which Carl would be like, oh, yeah, I just got that. That's good. I thought that was funny. And actually, when I was watching it at first, too, when he was like, it's kind of like uh, Aquaman with uh, Phoenix. And I didn't hear him say moving to. So I just heard it's kind of like Aquaman and Phoenix. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, like, it took me a while. Then I had to like, oh, moving to. Oh, I get it now. Like, right when I got it. And <laughs> Carl was like, oh, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I'm dumb. Don't worry. No, I thought that was fun. I also like the, uh, you mentioned it, but the uh, Lisa 
being like, hey, wait till I wake up. Like, hey, yeah. thanks for letting me, let me wait, wait until I wake up. Like, yeah, sure. I thought that was a nice, I, I guess what I liked in this episode were the conversational, like real moments right. that, that uh, the people had. It reminds me of uh, very few sitcoms. One of the things that was always bothering me about sitcoms is when the character makes a joke and no one actually laughs. Like Friends is pretty bad at that. Chandler makes a lot of jokes and no one laughs at. Yeah, it's like he's like in a weird like mental state where nobody can hear him. If you go to um, YouTube and type in like friends without the laugh track it's really funny because it's disturbing yeah same with any uh chucklery sitcom like two and a half men yeah but uh one of my favorite shows of course cheers and frazier one thing i always loved about that is like anytime someone made a joke people started laughing like the characters yeah you know, especially like you think of like frazier like niles makes a joke and frazier laughs at it you know yeah vice versa. and like cheers too you know carla says something and everyone starts laughing and that was great I'm yeah, so, yeah I think you're right important for people to realize that like as if you're writing a sitcom that when people they say things even if they don't laugh at it they should at least react to it right yeah so i think one of the, my favorite scenes in this episode was when they're at club crusty and uh again likening to this this joke is when uh the cookie from the cookie jar they're playing this Tyler the cookie, stole jar. The cookie from the cookie jar what me yeah, yeah you. you couldn't be then who courtney stole the cookie from the cookie jar i've heard enough let's go courtney <laughs> you too tyler I just love that is funny <laughs> when they just uh, arrested. It was just an unexpected scene, so I think that was one of my favorite scene. And then, of course, I already mentioned to the the Lisa waking up Bart or Bart yeah. waking up Lisa. So yeah, that's my uh, quotes and or favorite scenes. Nice. Uh, what well, about your least favorite scene? We never talk about least favorite scene. Oh. Mine, mine is definitely the first time Marge tries to uh, sexually assault Homer. <laughs> and uh also mo having sex with a robot so there i didn't like uh bart jamming his eye with whiteout <laughs> there you go that was kind of disturbing too yeah because uh i can never wear contact lenses because the idea of like my finger in my eyes gross let alone harsh chemicals all right well let's find out uh what other people might think of this episode before we tell you listeners what we thought Alrighty, I have a quote from the international movie Data Boss. A quote? Or a review. There we go. It's quoted uh, because yeah. Snorlax3111984 gives it a 7 out of 10 and writes the pros and cons of Camp Crustier. This is from uh, March 5th, 2017, so right around when the show aired, actually the day of. I'd like to start by offering my condolences to former Simpsons guest star Kristen Wiig, uh, Flaming Moe in Homerland, uh, who has received the 2016 Worst Supporting Actress Brassie for her poor performance in Zoolander 2. Not a weird way to start a review, but okay. Yeah. Pro number one. I'm a big fan of Barney Gumble, so I like that he got his own St. Patrick's Day billboard. Uh, two. Wiggum has two great scenes, which we talked about. One is arguing with Officer Lou over whether the Declaration of Independence uh, made no girls allowed signs. And the other great moment is Clancy taking the Who Stole the Cookie Jar song all too seriously. Three, I was delighted when I learned Michael Sheen was involved with this episode. I love his work as Ryan Cluth in The Damned United, and he was fine here. I believe he voiced the male therapist in Homer and Marge's couple therapy. Four, Kirk and Milhouse Van Houten need one thing to make fools of themselves, a chance. Kirk insisting that th- thumb-sucking is one vice he can afford was hilarious. I'll admit that it was. Five, 
I hate who Lisa can be sometimes. The girl with all the answers to questions nobody asked. I really get a kick of how Lisa called Bart on his political incorrectness, only for Charlie to reveal Lisa is the one who's wrong. I didn't see that subject. Uh, six, it's not very original to show the inner workings of a cartoon character's mind, but that didn't stop it from being funny. Seven, two great 70s moments, uh, the itchy mice dancing to Staying Alive and the parody of Verity's White's Can't Get Enough of Your Love. Eight, Best Smithers line. This is quite a change of character for you, Simpson. What's going on? Homer, that he's sexually repressed. Con, number one. In Russia, Putin makes lame jokes about the Simpsons. I hate that. Two, this episode is established to be set during season four's Camp Krusty, and yet the itchy and scratchy cartoon is titled Dancing with the Scars. Dancing with the Stars didn't exist then. I'm sure some Americans had email accounts in the fall of 92, spring of 93, but I can't believe Homer would. Did he get an email at some point? Um... (laughs) I was disappointed the episode never addressed Bart's takeover at Camp Krusty, the effect it had on the bully counselors, or Krusty taking the campers to Tijuana. Number four, the idea of a man giving up sex for the sake of intelligence was already done on Seinfeld, and it was infinitely more satisfying on that NBC sitcom. So a lot of negative for a seven (laughs) out of ten. Yeah, yeah. What a list there. Yeah, it was quite a lot of words. Sorry for Kirsten Wig and her worst supporting actress for Zoolander 2. Steve, I never saw Zoolander 2. Was it that bad? I don't know. Nobody saw it. I didn't really like the first one, to be honest. All right. Well, I got another review here for you, Steve. Okay. It's still from the IMDb. Ooh, this is a bad one, Steve. It's one out of 10. Ooh. From Nathan J. Hunt 1 from uh, April 3rd of that year of 2020. So just actually a few months ago. A pale imitation of his namesake. What drivel. People actually get paid to write this stuff. Kim Krusty's a gem from season four. The start of the Simpsons' golden age. This episode soils its reputation. Camp Crustier seems to render the earlier episode meaningless. Why did they not return to the KK just to get traumatized again? In fact, you've never seen what goes on like you did in the first one. Just a few boring flashbacks. Where are the jokes? Where are the laughs? Where is the entertainment? A totally forgetful episode. Pretty typical of season 28. Um, that's pretty harsh. Yeah. But, uh, Mike can understand. So let's, uh, let's review this, Steve. Camp Crestier. Sexual frustration. Between us? Trauma. Oh, sure. Okay. I can feel it. That's just fine. Steve, if you can feel it, all I have to tell you to do is... Masturbate. Okay, just one sec. I'd like to come. All right. Camp Krusty's a classic episode. It was going to be the basis of the first Simpsons movie until it wasn't. And it's all in our hearts. And I think the idea of going back to revisiting it is ambitious, if maybe not necessary. And I feel like they didn't really need to go back to it because a lot of the stuff that happened at Camp Krusty, they didn't even talk about. Like, they didn't talk about Mr. Black or any of the stuff that actually happened in that episode or the events afterwards, which we saw in the post credit scene of that episode. It seemed to me like they just had this list of things like trauma, referencing that movie that I don't remember the title of, and uh, they wanted to have the kids to have trauma and Homer and Marge to be sexually frustrated, and they needed to merge it together somehow. And so for me, it didn't quite make a cohesive episode I didn't hate it, but it just felt a little weird, like a little ramshackle, I would say. The jokes were fine. It was funny enough, but uh, not my favorite. I think it's, uh, I think you could skip it. I don't know that I'd recommend it, but if you're like a completionist, it's an interesting thing to think about and an interesting thing to talk about. I thought it was interesting that Homer so- showed restraint and was more productive. It's an interesting idea, maybe not executed perfectly, but I'll say that um, his brain was inactive for 1,377 days, and I'm going to say that that I'm going to give this uh, 900 days. 
of productivity. Steve, that would be a 65%. So that's a D in your book. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the D. That's what she said. So I love the idea of going back and doing a sequel to an episode. You know, they've done it before where they've brought back like the two episodes with Homer's half-brother, Herbert Powell. And um, I think they've kind of done like a Frank Grimes sequel, right? With his son trying to kill Homer. So it's kind of fun going back to the episodes. So the, the one thing that they kind of kept going with the Camp Krusty thing was in the original episode was Homer and Marge were just, you know, he was getting fit and they were just doing it. And so they were kind of revisiting that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the episode, it's funny because realize it's the boy and his weight comes back and ah, that's gone. <laughs> but you're right. I guess they should have probably brought up what Bart was doing. I think that would have made a better sequel. And, you know, the trauma, maybe the trauma should have been Mr. Black and not the Charlie. Yeah, about. that'd be really actually interesting. But that being said, I think I liked the episode a little bit more than you did. I think it is uh, an episode that maybe uh, completionists should should watch. Uh, you know, there is things that you know, we brought up uh, the Tijuana thing. Uh, they should have just dropped that line there. Maybe we've talked about this on the podcast. I think now the past couple episodes where these later seasons are referencing the older golden age and bringing up the golden age. And I'm perfectly fine with that. And this episode is definitely all about that. And I, I laughed at this episode. I thought there was some good stuff and there's some sweet moments. So it wasn't all that bad to me. I would watch it again. I, I think watching it back to back with Camp Krusty, go for it. See, see what it's like. If it holds up, it holds up. If it doesn't, it doesn't. See, see why is anything always, you know, most sequels aren't as great as the original. True. So uh, that being said, uh, that episode, Camp Krusty, was uh, epi- the 60th episode of The Simpsons, which we'll never get to review, Steve. <sighs> and um, out of 60, I'll give it, uh, I was going to be a 37. <laughs> <laughs> A glowing review and an almost glowing review score. I like it. That's a uh, that's a sixty one percent, Steve. So you're actually your review is better than mine. <laughs> that's on point with this episode. Hey, Steve. Before we uh, find out what we're watching next week, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to uh, play a little game with me, real quick. Okay, I like uh, games. So this was a sequel kind of episode to Camp Krusty. What episode would you like to see sequelized from the Golden Age? Oh, that's a great question. I feel like the initial answer that you have to say is uh, you only move twice. Right. That needs to be the movie. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I would almost don't even want an episode sequel because, yeah, that should be a movie. I bet because they say they have like a... Or they're working on there. They have a script for the second movie. I think they're going to give the fans what they want. I think they're going to bring Hank Scorpio back. I guarantee it. That's I think that'd be great. Yeah. But um, let's see. Thinking about some of my favorite episodes. Here's what I want to tell you real quick, because I just mentioned yeah. it before. They need to have a third episode with Danny DeVito back as Herbert Powell. I just That's... feel like that needs to be, I think it'd be great. I mean, bring back his half brother, because it's been, what, like almost close to 30 years now, right? Right. And, you know, they've had like other early guest stars, like Artie Ziff has been back. Yeah. Before. And then they had a, a, an appearance uh, a couple podcasts ago with uh, Mr. Bergstrom. Make an actual right. epi- sequel episode to that. Yeah, he could come back and he's like a, a famed author now. And maybe he doesn't have time for Lisa. And maybe, Lisa teaches him like the importance of being earnest to yourself and remembering where you came from. Sure. Or I'm not asking for the plot of this. I'm just saying like what <laughs> episodes. <laughs> um, I also wouldn't mind a... 
a spiritual sequel to Hurricane Nettie, just because that's my favorite episode. But like, maybe we can explore uh, Ned's past a little bit more and an episode with his beatnik parents. Yeah, and we talked about it last week, I think, with uh, we have the theory that Ned's parents just abandoned Ned to uh, Ned's grandmother. You know, the hello, Joe lady. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's let's do that episode. I like that. My vote, of course, is I want uh, more Herbert. Unky Herb. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. What do you guys want to see a sequel to? You can always email us at 138Simpsons for that or tweet at us. Yeah. Well, should we find out what we're watching next week, Steve? We sure should, Craig. All right, Steve, uh, let's uh, spin the wheel that we just had repaired about a week ago. It was just a week, and I'm so excited to get my hands on it again. All right. All righty. Gonna lift it up and spit. Oh, shit. Sorry. Steve, again. Sorry, I just, I was so excited. And it, I just wanted to spin it so badly. And it just, and it broke. Jerk, you know that? Thanks, Panteller. (laughs) You know what Bar has to say about you breaking that wheel again? Mm. I caramba. Oh, man. We established that I caramba means Bar wants to come. (laughs) I think we did. He likes things breaking. What can I say? (laughs) Well, Bar would just masturbate. Steve, you broke, you broke the wheel again. (sighs) And, well, it is football season, and there's going to be many audibles, Steve. I'm going to take another audible for this podcast. All right. Steve, it's going to be our 90th episode next week. 90th episode. That would be our our 90th show? Oh, my God, Steve. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm afraid I am. Well, we should just end this podcast and never do it again. I remember. (laughs) I didn't mean to. (laughs) Bart Bart doesn't want us to end that. (laughs) Um, All right, well... We're doing it, Steve. Let's just do that 90s show from season 19, episode 11. We've talked about it long enough on this podcast. And just uh, for an anniversary of the 90th episode, we'll do the 90s show, which is uh, Bart and Lisa unearth Marge's diploma from Springfield University. And Marge reminisces about her days of college. And she uh, has dated a pretentious professor. And Homer becomes a grunge musician. Uh, Written by uh, Matt Selman. Directed by Mark Kirtland. Originally aired January 27th, 2008. It's it's in the uh, it's in the list of episodes that uh, many of you Simpsons fans aren't a fan of. And uh, yeah, I have some very strong memories to this episode. And I'm not saying it's the worst episode I've ever seen, but it's up there, I think. Well, we have seen Scorpion's Tell. All right. Well, I guess uh, we're doing this to ourselves, guys. You knew it was going to happen one of these days. That's right. Before that happens, uh, you can always go to our T Public store, which is tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boys. And you can contact us on social media of Twitter and Instagram at 138Simpsons. And you can always email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. And you can always go to our, your favorite podcasting app and write a review and leave five stars or the equivalent. But I don't want you to write a re- real review. Just write something. Is it red beans on rice or red beans and rice? Let me know. Just go to the goddamn Popeye's website. It says red beans and rice. Jeez. All right. Uh, for this week, I've been half an annoyed grunt boy, Craig. And I've been your other half annoyed grunt boy, Steve. And remember, keep watching the skis. Children ruin marriages. Uh, who said that? King shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs>